Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 897. We got Jack Piper coming back on the show to talk about his barbecue sauces and how he got them onto Amazon. For anybody wanting to do this, first, constructive criticism. You're going to have to put this in market. You're going to have to really look at your product and be objective and be an adult about it. That is this product really good enough to go to market? Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. And on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce you back on the show for a second time, co-founder of Jimmy Jack's Rib Shack, Jack Piper, my man. Jack, are you feeling unstoppable today? 
I'm feeling unstoppable. Yeah, man. So uh, basically, you're back here so soon because after our recording a few weeks ago, uh, you took us on a tour. It's something we're trying to do more of on the show is really getting that behind the scenes with the video crew and pulling back the layers, going even deeper, as deep as possible. And during that tour, you showed us your, basically your offices where you have all of your production, your, your labeling, uh, basically your, your, your process for getting your barbecue sauces out on Amazon and into, into retail stores. And that just got me thinking, like we didn't even talk about that during our interview. And that's really been the majority of your focus over the past year is how to scale your business beyond the four walls, uh, in using tangible framing or digital framing to scale your business, i.e. Amazon, Gold Belly. But how do you get to that point? And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you have a product or service, a a consumer product good that you want to scale, how do you do that? So before we get into that, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? I'm sticking with uh, win your morning, win your day. Win your Uh, morning. Spoke. I've had. I'm winning my day today, and I've had a few days where I did not win my morning, and I did not win my day. So that's still still a work in progress, but that's that's my mantra. Yeah, man. And we dissect we dissected that pretty good the first time around. So I'll just let you stick with it, and we'll roll right into the focus in today's conversation, which is getting your consumer product good, uh, scaling it basically to the point where you're on Amazon. So where does it make sense to start sharing this? part of your story when did you say to yourself we need to get these barbecue sauces out and scale these barbecue sauces um yeah good question and like so we'll kind of be showing what we're we're working with it 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 was listening to the guest i tell my staff all the time and the team is um you know it could be anything is if you're not if you're not taking feedback about you know let's say you have four salads and you're and, and you may love one salad, but no one cares about it. We'll get rid of that salad. Um, so we did something slightly different with Jimmy Jack's where we, um, it's like competition barbecue. We call it, well, there is no sauce. So we, um, we never really saw this before, but we created a sauce counter and it evolved into something where people were like, that is awesome. You know, because then they were able to get their meat. Um, and it wasn't, you know, then they decided the sauce and they just, it really became a part. So if you look at any of the reviews on Yelp or, or anywhere, you would just, that was like a talk and people like, this is so good. And then we started noticing, you know, cause uh, they would come and they put in these cups and people would just leave just massive amounts of our sauce. And we're like, wow, they really like the sauce. And it was basically a request from our staff. Like, this is so good. Why, can we get it? We were even selling pints of it. So, and then, and just different formats. So, so this is going back like 2018, said, 2017. Yeah. I mean, well, we opened in 2005. It was always kind of, uh, it was always discussed and people like, yeah, maybe we'll bottle our sauces at some point. Um, so but you, we were, you know, we the were sauces that you're stuff. talking about, Jack, were these sauces something that you started way back when you opened or did the sauces come it, later? It, exactly. I mean, it's, 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 I call what I call a restaurant it's, it's, as you evolve into something, it's like you, you, you evolve into like your brand. Yeah. And you know, in 2000, about 10 years into uh, Jimmy Jack's, you know, we had, we've, we've got still have Boston. We had Atlas. We had, we had three different, you know, I call them the Atlas. We had three very different concepts going. And the one concept that was just, whack that was getting accolades like on Yahoo or MSNBC, or we were winning 
wherever it was, it was just crazy um, chowhound or, you know, what is it? Uh, I can't think of them, you know, but they would all come back and yeah. be like, you're winning all this stuff. I'm like, geez, this, this thing is amazing. So we, we kind of started thinking about, we created a brand guide even before this, we said, we, we, we changed our logo. We had a, you know, uh, I'll kind of show you that we had this, we had this, this logo, you know, and we started looking at this, this business that was just so, so successful. And, you know, we changed it to this, um, to that badge. Yeah. And for like, anybody you know, who's listening to this so, real quick, Jack, anybody who's listening to this, if you want to see what we're talking about, don't forget head over to youtube.com <laughs> slash restaurant Sorry. unstoppable. You're fine, man. Uh, this is a great opportunity to pitch the YouTube channel, uh, where he's holding up the, the old logo in the old, in the new logo. So, so, so we looked at this and we're like, Oh my God, it's ticking every number, you know, our labor cost, our, our barbecue is all meat. So it's relative of cost of goods. Um, but overhead fixed cost, like this thing is just easy to run It's successful. And it's, it's unbelievably not just embraced locally, but everybody, it's it just, it's, it's, it's really going somewhere. So we, um, we started doing like monthly sauces and, and again, the sauce are really, and that's what makes us, I think different is our, our, why our restaurant does so well is it wasn't just the smoked meat. The equally, if not, some people thought that the most awesome ex- part of the experience was the sauce bar and the sauce. So I guess probably more like in 2015, we started talking about it. In 2018, we're like, let's keep rolling and let's start doing our research on, uh, you know, like wh- how we'll go about this. Hence, my business partner, Mimi, I don't maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, the first step was um, just looking at it and figuring out the cost of it and the ingredients and thinking about a package, right. You know, what, what is class going to cost? What are we going to do it? And, and, you know, label. And, and just like when you do a business plan for a restaurant, right, you're going to, you're going to look at your goods and you're going to do a cost analysis and see, you know, the labor, how much time, you know, uh, you're going to look into, um, just like a restaurant, uh, the health codes, the legalities, you know, the FDA and all this stuff. So we just started the discussion of how much work is going to how, how much work is it going to be and how much will it cost? And this this dialogue that's going on internally and with your partners is how how much work is it going to be and how much is it going to cost just to bottle our sauces for in-house at this point you're not thinking let's get this thing on amazon let's get this thing nationwide no is that the goal then well we 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 did discuss like well should we immediately we just thought it was too risky to to invest a bunch of money with a co-packer yeah to to go somewhere like we have the sauce now you make it you bottle it and you do it we we're believers that you only spend money that you have. And so through this whole journey, we didn't take out any loans. You know, we, we kept our cash flow going, we kept the businesses running. And like most people would, would most bankers or anybody would tell you, don't quit your day job, day job, keep the cash flow going and then take your extra time and then money you make and then invest in this. And we've become the most successful. And I think when you have the luxury that literally this is like a passion project that it doesn't have to create income. You, you're going to do it. It's going to turn out better. Yeah. So we were able to take our time and do it accurately and right because it, 
wasn't paying our paychecks. It wasn't paying our mortgages. It was really a passion project. And we were able to, from the packaging to the label, to do it the way we wanted. Yeah, and that's a huge lesson, something that I like to echo whenever I get the chance to let cash flow and people determine your growth. And I think people get into a lot of trouble because they get, they look at their competitors or they look at somebody who's been around 10 years longer than they have and they go, they're doing this. We need to do this too. Compare yourself today to the person you were yesterday and you'll see over time, you'll get to the point where all of your competitors are at if they're, if they're been around longer. But don't, don't think of growth as external growth. Think of it as internal growth. What can we do today to make ourselves better? And then the external comes that, that the size of your business will grow over time, but like, just don't get in trouble over extending yourself. So the first thing you said to yourself is what's this going to cost? Um, what, what are the, what's the labeling going to cost? What's the packaging going to cost? What, what codes and legalities do we need to consider? So what was it going to cost? What, what, what were your expenses like back then reflecting back? Like take us through that process. All right. Before before I get to that too, I think a, a, a good way to look at this is uh, a lot of restaurants should be evolving and putting money into um, uh, research and development. And, and research and development is a cocktail that's featured or a featured of a, of a menu item. And you try that out and then if it gets legs, you're like, wait a minute. And then it's people ask for it. Like, dude, I want that special again. Again, you didn't do it. You tested it. You tested it at lunch. You tested it at dinner. You got the kinks out, but you didn't put it on your menu, but it possibly evolves onto the menu and it can be a huge moneymaker because it ticks the boxes. It, it's, you know, it's got, the, it can be picked up. It can be, um, you know, it, it's, it control, it's a food cost control. It, you know, it, it doesn't add labor inventory. Yeah. And if, if it fits the puzzle, then you do it. So we, we approach this just like we might do a feature or a special that then later actually ends up on your menu. If you kind of take that same kind of philosophy, like I just did it because I was excited and my staff was excited about adding this. Um, This is very trendy. It's happening right now in the marketplaces. Let's see our version of this, this product and let's see how it goes. Yeah. So it it was more like, okay, let's just do this. And and I'll be honest, we, to to kind of get ahead of myself, to, to go back, we also, we had no, um, we had no desire really that this was going to be a Nash brand. I, I can get to that later, but it was more like um, we had a friend, uh, we had another restaurant in town that was doing some stuff and they kept pushing us. And I'll do a shout out to, to Ofer um, Oasis um, Falafel. They make an amazing hummus and they were just, they were known. I mean, if you, if you, if you look up Oasis in Iowa city, rave reviews, and their hummus is amazing. And they're like, hey, you know, we've been doing this and you, sh- you should try it. So they, they were kind of helping us out and pushing us too. And the fact that we had seen somebody locally take a product, not a sauce, not a shelf-stable product. You know, theirs is a, is a refrigerated hummus. And they were like, it was really doing well for them. So back to this idea of going to the very beginning, the first step is costing things out. Uh, you already know you're, you're not going to, do you have to change your ingredients if it's packaged? Cause you said uh, ingredients. Well, we can get, we'll start uh, initially in the small batch. We would, we would make it in the same, in a tilt skillet <laughs> in a tilt skillet is where it was made. And if everybody knows what tilt. So, um, so with this was because to, 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 to make something shelf stable, you, 
it's like canning, right? You have to get it to a certain temperature. It's an acidic item. And then when it reaches that temp, you have to bottle it with the self-sealing top plop, does it? So we did not, to answer your question, have to change the recipe because we were doing the same volume. We had not scaled and created a higher volume. So because we go through so much sauce and it was already being made in a tilt skillet, we're like, wow, we can do this. And so the process was only, I think it would be around eight to 10 cases. So that's like 90 to 120 bottles we would do at a time. Okay. And that had been going, that, 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 that process and this is how what people have to wrap their head around is, okay, I'm only going to be producing, you know, let's say the, the timeline of those maybe two to three hours because our sauces are kind of complicated. It's like making for restaurant people, making a good stock or like a bolognese, you start with one point, um, you have to add to a later and a later. So at the very beginning though, we did not change recipes. It was made in the same, um, the same exact way. That but it was made first as we sold it in the restaurant. You're just putting it into a different container now, basically. We just were put, we were right. We, we just, we, we looked it up. We made sure that temps were right. And that, that's the main thing. So you do, once you thing is it's a, it's a temperature thing is that you, you have to, you have to get your product. You have to get the sauce at a high enough temperature, just like when you're canning that you seal it. And then hence it becomes self-stable or shelf okay. stable. Pardon me. So, this is going back four years ago. This is the first step you took, which, which is just in-house sales. Um, how long did it take you to go from selling this thing in-house to like, who was your first account? Well, to, to simple that, say your was, second, I think the next part your of the second account, that has to the, the Well, I think before you get to any account, and we even sold this because we wanted it done right, we actually then decided on the bottling, the bottles. We then hired a designer, the designer that had already helped us rebrand. And we, we said, get it going. This takes Eric longer than you think. So you can't really skip ahead and say, Hey, then you just take it out there. No, this, this whole, and if they're watching that they watch, but it's, you know, you, you, you've got to do your due diligence and get a barcode, even though we were not going to sell it anywhere else, but within our restaurant, we knew we were going to go out mm. into the public and sell it. We knew that we had to have our list of ingredients and the nutritional facts. So we said um, we knew that you had to have your ounces. I mean, there's, we did not want to put this in any brick and mortar retail until we knew everything with the labels. And I, I know we might want to get all excited, passionate about, Oh, the excitement of just what's inside of it. That is just one tiny part of it. My business partner was that, I'm the guy uh, with, with my business partner, though, with these ingredients. Um, and then you, you need to also then send it off. There's a couple of places in the U.S. where you, you send the sauce and they go through it and they verify everything. And all this takes time, like two to three months. It just completely depends. So it was probably maybe a, six months, six months to just to a year to get packaging and labels and everything we wanted. So what did you learn out, you know, about this process of packaging of labels? What were the things when you started this process you, that you were surprised at when you, once you got into it, like how can you alleviate well, some of that? On a positive, on a positive you can go online. You don't have to hire anybody. You can go online and you can take your recipes and there's calculators that will calculate um, your um, calories and all that. So again, this is a great thing about the U.S. and, and the world and the computers. 
you can get there. It's very easy to go get yourself a barcode. Also, I, I, you, we did it. We, you know, trademark slash copyright, you know, right? You, you've got to have a trademark. But if you do not have your barcode, it sounds so silly, but this is your, this is your number. No one else has it. This, in any retailer, if you, if you don't, they don't use, uh, what do they call it? PLUs. They want to scan it. I mean, we wanted all of this tested because the last thing we wanted to do, the last thing mostly I wanted to do was walk into a marketplace and say, this or this is wrong. Yeah. You know, so, so we, uh, and what I guess what I did, what I, I guess, like I said, is the wonderful thing is there's a- access to, to figure all this out. Um, but you, you need to look at whatever this is, it to be it a tomato sauce, be it a salsa, uh, be it a, you know, we do the rub, be it a powdered good, maybe it's not shelf stable. You also, I think, need to really, you know, we talked before, my my original career path was art and design. Um, you, you, it, you have to think about the packaging and how you're going to get off that shelf. You know, they talk about restaurant location, location, location. Well, even in the brick and mortar, there's going to be location, location. Are you on the bottom shelf? Where are you located on that damn yeah. retail? Yeah. And, but again, how does your product and the image and the look of your image, what does it convey? Does it convey quality? You're going to put it in a mason jar. Um, if you do not take it seriously, the packaging and the aesthetics of this product, you're a fool. Yeah. So you, and it, it things, will not work. <laughs> some of the things that you mentioned that you have to do, you have to, you said the label, you hired a designer. Do you want to give them a shout out? Who is this person? Did they yeah. We them? used Allie at um, Allison design out of Austin, Texas, Allison. So again, Allison design, she's awesome, but also she had already worked. She had already had a history and understood. So she, she understands nutrition, nutritional facts. She understands weights. Um, she understands the right size tapes, type, uh, type size. You, you need someone that has already done product packaging. And when you, you send it off that person, it's not that expensive either. Yeah. I mean, you get a good designer and you need to trust them because they understand readability and, um, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll work with you on five different, Mostly, I mean, she's a graphic designer, but package designer. Um, but again, the packaging, because also you, you're going to have to decide how many ounces we want with, you know, 16 ounces. This is actually, they vary in weight, um, but that's a bigger thing. You know what I mean? You have to look and do some due diligence of like, what is the hot sauce? What is the normal weight or volume of hot sauces? And say, okay. We're probably going to have to be in eight well, to ten ounces in the hot yeah, sauce. Yeah, I'm thinking the barbecue sauce. If you're using that, like, what is somebody going to buy? You need to be able to marinate a good amount of meat, right? So you'd have to give them enough product where they can cover a brisket if they wanted. To. We didn't reinvent anything. We just said, okay, let's look at a hundred sauces. Yeah. <laughs> and what is ninety percent of the ounces? Also, this comes back to like good bar and restaurant management. I was I'm always critical of the glass you hold, Eric, in the bar back in the day because you're looking at ounces and everybody wants that old fashioned, right? They want that cube of ice. And I'd always talk the, the size of the glass and how it feels in your hand, like this coffee cup, how it feels in the volume is then going to create like what you're paying for. And I'd always talk to my, my staff and when you get that, I loved it when this big, beautiful ice came into it. Because that that ice took up so much surface area, and it raised the you know the bourbon up. Yeah, like, this is a big pour. 
<laughs> well, or it's a, fa- yeah, I always yeah. say, give me a family pour, you know, as yeah. generous or, you know, the wine glass you choose. I mean, we already, you should be, you should be doing this in your restaurant. If you're not looking at the aesthetic and weight and the size of your plate, going back to a burger and the size of the bun, would you ever, if your burger doesn't just jet out over that bun, it doesn't look like very much meat. Yeah. So the same thing was going into it, the size, the weight, the feel we had, we decided on glass over plastic, believe it or not, looking at all the shipping to get ahead of ourselves. The hardest thing that I've had to deal with was COVID and everything. And this is what's called a 16 ounce Boston round is the glass we use is one of the most popular pieces of glass and bottling out there. What was the benefit of glass over plastic? Just quality? It conveyed quality, and it's actually cheaper than plastic. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah, you would think, oh, plastic's going to be – and from our standpoint, I don't like plastic. I I would think the world could use less plastic. So it was a little bit personal, but it was also money. And the glass bottle gave – it, 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 I don't like it. Look at it. It, it looks like it looks cheap in plastic to me. Yeah. I didn't want it in plastic. So I the, wanted aesthetically. I wanted how it looked on, and how it it feels different too. The yeah. weight and, what, and how so, it feels in your hand. Back to this idea of the barcode and the nutritional facts and all these like next tier level thinking things from day one. Um, you're you're thinking one thing that's come up a lot in the show is this idea of thinking like a big business from day one. So. Is that kind of what was going through your mind as far as getting the label on I, from day one out of the way with? Well, day one, if you're going to go brick and mortar, I, I get it. I, it has to be done right. Like a dish shouldn't go into the dining room. A drink shouldn't go in the dining room until it's been vetted and really tested correctly. Um, and the idea is you don't just throw a new menu item on your menu. What do you do? Test you it. run it as a feature. Yeah. You run it as a feature, do some test runs. So I'm like, we have to do this in-house and do our test run and make sure everything is correct. And, and if you want, I can go ahead to what we did is I chose one retailer. I go, I'm going to only chose one, one, what? Retailer. one retailer, retailer, one retailer. One retailer. Yeah. I'm going to give it to one retailer and I want to go with one full month with one retailer. I want to make sure that the barcodes and everything works right. So real uh, quick, had, I'm, I'm curious about these barcodes. When, when you, how do you get a barcode? How is that something online, that Google, right now, Google, Google it. You can just go on the barcodes and they'll walk you through on how to get a barcode. Okay. It's yeah. We, there's access out there. I mean, just how do I get a, a barcode? And then you follow the prompts and you apply and you spend money and then you pay for it annually. Cause you have to own that. How much is that? Your property. What was the initial? I don't, I don't recall. Ballpark. I don't, I'm sorry. Ballpark. Like a hundred, I don't even, you know, my, my business partner handled that. So I, approximately a hundred bucks the first time. Maybe a hundred, a couple hundred bucks for each barcode. And I don't even know what it is annually, but it's nothing. You have to do it, but it's still adding. And up. then how much is that annually? Yeah. I don't recall. I, I, I feel okay. like unprepared. I'm sorry. No, you're I don't fine, even, you're fine. But the, to me you're... in the whole scheme of things, that's just, it goes in that whole like licensing category. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like after my liquor license, I have so many licenses. <laughs> so I'm like, it, it, it is not enough to stop you from doing it. The cost is minimal. In the whole scheme of things, it's minimal. And the thing is, is it's once again, it's out there. Everybody has a capability of getting a barcode and retaining it. Everybody can easily, easily um, have the nutritional facts done. Okay. And these are programs. I think I saw, I, I think I saw with James, the, my business partner, I go, what's this $220? What is this? 
this annual fee. And he goes, oh, that's my, that's my calculator. That's, that's, that's the company we pay. Um, so when I can type stuff in that it scales or, you know, figures out these calories and stuff. So there, that was like 220, but I was like, you know, I'm on the accounting end, sitting in the office going, what is this? And it's like, well, we can probably kill it because we don't, we don't need it anymore. Are you looking it up? Yeah. I'm, can you tell that I'm looking down? Um, so, um, I, I did a quick <laughs> Google search and it's, uh, is it called the G, uh, a G, uh, again, my business partner did this. I don't, I don't recall. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I just was like, he was like, dude, it was no problem. So, you know, it turned around fairly quick. I guess what I'm saying though is you, you want to take some time and say, really your label is it's, it's a certain thing about readability. Um, things are the barcode, just get that moving. Um, but the other thing is you need to get it out and you need to get it tested. this is if you're going to go brick and mortar and if you're going to go shelf stable, you know, something like a rub or a seasoning, you wouldn't have to do this, but you, you do need to send these things off to federal agencies to have them do acidic and, you know, tests on this stuff. Do you know that? The- and they also then cross-reference the test to make sure that you're legit and what you're telling us is in there. They do a chemical test that what you're saying, and this is great. It's great that we we have uh, people to do this. Do you know the so name of the company you send it off be, to? Do you remember that? It's the University of Nebraska. Okay, so there's multiple the places that I assume that. You does. go to the University of Nebraska. You go to the University of Tennessee, and that's going to cost like around fifteen hundred bucks per sauce. So that's the other thing to get tested. I think it's twelve to fifteen hundred dollars, um, either in Nebraska or Tennessee. Because I remember all of a sudden, I'm like, "What's why are we sending a check off to Tennessee, the University of Tennessee?" Got it. And I can get this. I feel bad, Eric. That I no, don't no, have you're fine. These things. So you um, you started internally. Um, you said before you when you decided to bring it to a retailer, you just went to one retailer to test everything. How much time elapsed from when you brought it? In uh, like two weeks or a month. I'm like done. Okay. They're like this is it's running through perfectly, and people are buying it. Awesome. So from the so day that you is, launched it internally to the day that you brought it to oh, retail was that might have been. I, not that long. I, I think it was, it was, it was something that I didn't want to bring it out during the holidays. We had, had everything finished in the fall and it was Christmas. And I'm like from, from taxes and you know, it's another, co- we did. We also, um, it was just a different revenue stream. I'm like, you know what? January is dead in the restaurant business. I go, I will bring this to market January of whatever year it was just because I'm like, I know my plate will be, because the other thing we haven't talked about is just this is now there's the whole distribution arm of this, which then I take on because I'm yeah. like, okay, now we know how to make the sauce. Now I need to understand and learn distribution. And a lot of people I think would say, Oh, well, just pay somebody. I think you're a fool. I'm, I'm the biggest advocate that go, I want a full year of working and self distribution. So what it was, was I, myself, we made the sauce. I put the label on every sauce. And then I then move on and maybe we're getting ahead of it here is if you want me to, then we can go into how then after, after you get the product right, you then have the next step of approaching retailers as the salesman with samples. And then when they take it on, you have to move into the distribution. If you okay. want to start talking but, about but that. I'm curious. I do want to talk about that, but before we get into that, when did you know you were ready to go from just in store sales to finding retailers? 
Um, as soon as we had the labels, so it was timing. As, as soon as we, as it was done, it's like we have the labels. We 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 we're done. It's like the labels, the packaging. We we also said to ourselves, we have to have X amount of inventory. You, what if it blows up and they want it? We have to make sure because remember, we're we're using a portion of our kitchen in a tilt skillet, and we had to have enough inventory. That's the other thing you have to realize when you when you go to market. The worst thing you can do is somebody wants it, it sells well, and then you don't have enough product. Uh, yeah. So you decide, okay, so bringing it to this idea, actually, this is a good, a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk about how you go into that distribution mode. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guest. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. So we're back, and now let's talk about distribution. And you you said self distribution is the way to go. Why is that so important? Get into the details again of why that's well, so important. The only thing I knew about distribution was on the other end of it, and being in the front of the house was dealing with with liquor distributors, you know, beer distribution, um, Cisco, and U.S. Foods and food distribution, and how they came to me. So I had no experience and no knowledge. I, I had to, and I, and I with a retail, but I, I did know, and I talked to my friends that did wine and stuff like, hey, how do you do this? Um, so what really was interesting was, believe it or not, is actually well, while we were selling it in the fourth quarter, you start learning different phrases. As soon as you move from restaurant to retail, you, I was like, what does Q4 mean? Q4 is the fourth quarter, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So we, we were in Q4 and only doing it internally in our business. And retailers actually came to us and go, dude, we're hearing about this. People want it in the grocery store. They, you're, you're selling your sauce. You've, you've done it all through the holidays. And this is great. I'm like, January 1st, we're going to go to our first place. So so we we upped the first step and we wanted to make sure. To, I, I had talked to folks. I'd reached out to people. And I, I said, they said, uh, you should have at least like a month of inventory, you know, for all your retailers. So I'm like, okay, let's start bottling and getting enough of, uh, of each product. Remember out of the tilt skillet, you're only getting 10 cases, 10 to 12, you know, 10 cases, 120 bottles. And we have four skews. That's the other word. They'll start literally as a skew. So you have four sauces. So you have so to look what at is that. A skew? Like What's the definition of a skew? 
SKU. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, what does SKU stand for? Um, like we have four sauces. So each one is its own SKU. And that's just a language. That's why I wanted to learn distribution because I didn't know the language of, well, how many, they'll say, how many SKUs do you have? We actually have five SKUs. We have a SKU, you know, because each product is a SKU. And I don't know why they call it a SKU. There's a whole bunch of language I didn't, I learned through distribution. Got it. <laughs> um, so we, we have to have all four products. AKA SKUs. Ask me later about the rib rub because we were not selling our seasoning. But I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So we, we, we do this and we go, okay, we have to get an X amount of inventory. Because we also knew, just like, hey, if you've ever bought wine from anybody, you buy a whole case. So you commit to that. So we're like, okay, we're going to sell this in cases of 12 units. So we, we then had to come up with, we, we kind of skipped over this, is we had to say, okay, you're going to have to walk in and figure out your suggested retail. Because they're all going to want a suggested retail. The other thing what you're going to find out is a lot of grocery stores, what was interesting about our sauce was that it, since it's self-stable, it was not just a grocery item. What was really interesting and where people need to think outside the box, and my business partner thought I was crazy, I go, I'm going to go to the hardware stores. Because Aces, and they have all those killer barbecue displays. Yeah. And it went like hotcakes, especially during COVID, because you couldn't get out. You know where every, I know I'm kind of going off here, but where did everybody go? So you have to think creatively of like, wait a minute, people at a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot are, are like a shield. These, these, these places, they, 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 the guys go. And, and this is also like, it is a grocery store item in its barbecue sauce. And I, I'm, I'm covering a lot of stuff, but it's also a condiment. You know what I mean? Like I learned all this. Well, just going back now is you've got to figure out that you're going to walk in to this store and you're going to say, this is how much a case is. And this is how much it is per unit. And originally you have no idea. You're like, well, they don't just double it. So when you go to the store, you've got to understand the price point you're going to sell it to them at. And most likely it's going to be 25 to 30% markup could be as low as 22. So let's say, um, let's just say at 10 bucks, you know, you were selling it to them. They're going to at least sell this at $13. They're going to most likely want to make $3 off this product. So you need to kind of think in your pricing of how you're pro- approaching it where you're going to look at all your competitors. So you're going to look at all the other barbecue sauce. And we, we came in at a very competitive price, um, lower than I would have liked to. Um, and, and, and since we've brought it to market, we've had, it, we've had two price increases. My business partner wanted at a lower price point. Um, we went in, um, it was just, uh, it, that is like kind of like, we, we wanted to be competitive. We looked at all the barbecue sauces that were, that were in a normal grocery store, that, that well, weren't in a, I'm like an elite, it. like I'm, a, right now know, I'm thinking about some of these or, other, these other platform, like these other barbecue TV. sauces, like they probably have scaled. Their expenses are probably greater. They're probably outsourcing a lot of this, whereas right. you were still doing a lot of this in house. So your cost to get it to market at this point probably still didn't cost that much for you well, because we were doing it in house. Exactly. We, we weren't really equating in our, 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 our fixed costs because we already had a building. 
So we weren't paying rent, but you need to equate that in. Um, we, we really didn't have the maturity to understand like the cost of distribution, you know? So each part of it, you've got your cost and you're able to produce it. But then after that, you're, you might as well be looking around 25%. So the, the way this works is you should be taking your product. You should, you should, you could work it backwards. You could go backwards from whatever price, but you, whatever your suggested retail is, you kind of need to work forward and backwards of like, okay, after I make it, the distributor is going to add 25% on. They're going to take 25%. You just have to, that is the difference between salt distribution. And when you get big enough to hire a distribution, it's going to be right around 25%. There's no, no way around it. So what's your so markup added, from what it's going to cost you, Jack? When you say, okay, well, after all my expenses, when I get this thing in bottle and I get it to the store, it's going to cost me this much. How much should I profit? That's it's again, it, it, it's probably a scale. Um, every time we expand and we get Eric, I talk about, do you want to be a restaurant um, doing, you know, let's say you're doing 400 covers, right? Higher volume, right? And, and then you're, you're, you're doing it on volume. Are you a higher price restaurant, right? Doing a hundred covers, but your price either way, What's going to make you the more money? It 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 doesn't matter. I mean, are you doing it via volume and lower prices, or are you doing it at a higher price and higher quality? We went in the middle. Um, it's it's all over the map on percentages. I should probably pull this up. We just at the beginning we were looking that we we just kept it simple and we want to make a dollar a bottle. Okay, it, it was like a simple thing, and it it. it there wasn't really a rhyme or reason to it. I think what they usually say is that if you're making this also work is complicated. You want me to talk about Amazon? I mean, every brick and mortar and every type of platform, the equation is different. But if you're making ten to twenty percent, if you're in a decent volume, you, you know what I mean, and you're making twenty, you know, if you, if you can get to fifteen twenty percent, you're doing well. Okay. Uh, so back to this but idea. Just, Go ahead. I was just going to say, so you've got to like think that backwards is, and what it, what it does, it's like, it's crazy because you're like, okay, let's say um, I'm at $5 and these guys at 25%, which is $1.25. Now it's going to the grocery store for six, whatever. Now they have to make 27%. See how it just, it just, it just spirals and you're like, holy crap. So you, you have to, we went with, Hey, we're quality. We're not going to compete with I, I guess the biggest brand would call Sweet Baby Rays. Yeah, and and this is something for when they sail and you pitch. First of all, when you go to your local community, every retailer is going to want you. Look to the when you travel, beer drinkers go up to the bar. What's the local? What's the local beer? And they buy it. So local is huge. Local is so huge not only in the beer industry, but in the grocery store. So grocery stores, almost all of them will give you a chance unless your numbers are outrageous or your price point and the percentage are just totally, or your product is horrible and your packaging, it doesn't work. They're going to give you a shot. Okay. They're going to give you a shot because everybody, every retailer wants to work with local. It's just, it's just what you do. So, you're going to walk in, you're going to tell them the price, you're going to give them the suggested retail, 
and they're going to give you a shot. And then it's just like the restaurant. If they don't come back, right? If you don't have a guest come back, something's wrong. Then you've got to equate how quickly it's going off the shelf. But what, what I told them is, remember, my price is higher. Now, this also comes back to percentages. At the end of the day, more money being made. And these grocery stores have different departments. Okay. And I'll tell you, the example of Sweet Baby Ray's is they don't make any, I'm sorry, Sweet Baby Ray's, is there's certain brands like eggs and milk, there's certain products that grocery stores carry to get you in. And there's a, there's a huge conglomerate deal with Sweet Baby Ray's. And the grocery store themselves go, I don't, I'm not making anything off of this. They make money off my product. We were not in volume, but in sales out of the three local chains, a chain called Hy-Vee, we were the highest in revenue, in sales, in dollars. Profit. In the whole Wait, barbecue. In, in sales? In, in all of the barbecue sales, okay. we weren't the highest in volume, but in dollars. Got it. And they love that because they made at 27%, they're making 2 or $3. They're making quadruple 20, whatever times they're making off a of sweet baby ray. They want our sauce because yeah. they're actually making more money for their department. Yeah. Let, let's go back to this idea of scaling it. So um, some of the big <laughs> things you're, you're sharing with us is that concentric circles is, is one of the biggest lessons I've learned when it comes to scaling. I think people try to go too far away from home from day one and they don't have brand recognition from far away. You, 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 you start as close to home as possible and you slowly grow outward from the center in. Right. So you, well, the first retailer you went to, was that down the street? Was it like a, yeah, it was a local, it was a, it was a cooperative, you know, okay. um, locally, they source local foods. We started that. And then how long and did other we retailers to, start approaching you? They, I just, I hit the pavement. Okay. I hit the pavement. And then I do think, cause I know you want to talk about Amazon and I, I want to I mention a person's name because so I'm out there hoofing it. Yeah. But beforehand, so what I'm doing is I, I'm literally just, I'm going into sales, but I also need to understand distribution and I, I, I need to understand the terminology, because when I, I knew in a year or two, I was going to hire a distri- distributor. And if I had no idea about dis- distribution, if I didn't know what an end aisle was. If I didn't know what a bunker was, if I didn't know what a shelf talker was, if I didn't know that a meat department and a grocery department are two different categories and you have two different managers, I, I would not understand any of this. So I went in and again, there's no better salesman than yourself. You know, the product, you have something local, they're going to give you a chance. And if your product is good, it's going to go. And then you need to understand and learn the other phrase about merchandising, knowing how to get it better shelf and the relationship. So when you do then hire this distribution company, that's going to take 25% that you will still need to watch over them. You know, you need to, you, you, there's a, what's called a department, which is the merchandiser. Those are the people that walk around because your, your sauce is just going to get taken by a distributor. It's going to be dropped off. Yeah. We want the smaller one because you want shelf placement, you want relationships, but that was all I I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of moving slowly and, 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 and only time will get you to understand this. So we spent that year figuring out the process, the labels, 
So the packaging and everything was perfect and no problem. What are the biggest then lessons around distribution another, before you go? Any, what, what's the biggest lessons that you learned in that one year about distribution that you can share with our listeners right now to give them that heads up? Um, I don't, I, I think it was just, I, I don't know if there's one thing about distribution was, um, well, it's, it's time consuming, you know, um, but this was also starting out right when during COVID too is, is you, you, if you, you want to go with a smaller um, distributor, the way I would say this is, I don't know. I, I go back to the wine, you know, you, you've got Glazier, you've got Southern, whatever, you got these huge, you know, Johnson with these huge conglomerates. And let's say you put your wine in with a distribution company with thousands, thousands of wine. H- how is your brand going to be recognized or noticed? So with Del- I think in distribution, do it yourself first and then move to a distributor that has the same values. You don't want a distributor that is you're going to be one of a thousand products yeah. because they're not going to make the connections. You want to go with a smaller one that has a similar profile. So our company that is distributing does a lot of local, high-end, and quality. So they understand. And I'm not going to get lost in their in their in their in the distribution of this. You know what I mean? My and they like my product too because the price point in the brand is they're making money. I mean, as as I've said before, in any kind of relationship, it, it, it is in selling a business or having an agreement, trust me, right now, my the people producing the sauce and the distributors actually make as much, if not more, than I make on the sauce. But let's think about that, Eric. Who's making it? Am I making it? Not anymore. Well, that's kind of my Am next... I distributed it? Not anymore. So but, but... when when you go from self-distribution to outsourcing that, that seems like the next step. First step, do it in-house. Second step, get into a local retailer. Well, well actually, before distribution, uh, you then have to, you have to make the next thing, which we didn't really go over, was when you get a co-packer. You're going to have someone else produce it. And I'll just go through that real quickly. So that is tough. So when you scale, meaning you're going to take your recipe and now it goes to a much volume, like four or let's say six times the volume of what this was done. Now the recipe has just, to change. <laughs> this is why, and let me go yeah. real, I can do this really succinctly how this gets done. So what do you have? You have a liquid. You have to get it to a certain temp. When you have more surface area and a bigger volume, you're going to have to have that temperature slightly higher and you're going to have to hold it longer. And then what happens? Reduction of acidity. So you're going to burn off. And what's, going to, what's going to evaporate quicker? The acidity. So you're then going to have an imbalanced sauce where you're like, oh, man. So this is where you had to work with a good producer that will take time and listen to you because our sauces were becoming too sweet and the, the lack of acidity, so they weren't balanced and they weren't correct. Also, we use honey in the Carolina mustard honey reacting at that temperature for that, that, that amount of time was very problematic. So we had to adjust. So you do, as you then move on to your co-packer, look at at least six months, maybe depending on how many sauces or how many products you have. And they will tell you this, that the co-packer will work with you and will you, there comes the attorneys and the agreements too that you have the final say and they're not, and you're going to need a legal team and you're going to have to have a good relationship. And again, I would say go small rather than large 
and, and, and just make sure to control your product when they go to scale and they make it at a higher volume. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to give a shout out to, to Peter and Monica Hilsum. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm saying their last name correctly, but they were one of my uh, guests when we were in New Orleans. Um, Hilsum, H-I-L-Z-I-M. Uh, this is exactly what they do. Their, their company is Cajun Kettle Foods, and this is what they do. They help they help scale recipes and distribute food. So uh, I would say reach out to them. Uh, who did you work with to do this? I'm curious. Uh, we worked with a, a company called, it's, it's a Kelowna Creamery. <laughs> and Kelowna is a great brand. That's one reason we went with them. They are more of a boutique, like great milk, great yeah. butter. And so, hey, if you can handle milk, right, you can handle this. So yeah. they had the facility... And they were trying to diversify and say, we'd like to bring and produce some products. And they also have an arm of their company, which is Kelowna Direct, which they said, hey, I don't want to be given this 25%. We want to self-distribute. Hey, we've already got trucks going to all these grocery stores. Why don't we partner and then we deliver and distribute other people's products. Yeah, so, so this is them diversifying, trying to, to, to get, you know, run their company better. Got it. Um, so I was thinking we should probably maybe, because on the timeline too, if you wanted to dive in how it, so basically it starts going fine. And we have this, this, what we've been waiting until just recently is the other reason we then held it to like 25 stores. And the reason we did that was that was the only capability that our in-house production team could keep up with. Okay. We couldn't go any, we couldn't produce any more. I mean, you could say, okay, we're going to bring a team at night. And you're going to, you're going to do this all night. We just, we didn't want that. We didn't want to, I mean, a lot of companies are like, Hey, you're paying the real estate, create another team. No one's in that building all night. Have these people. I, you know, it just didn't seem like a recipe for success. Having people make sauces at, midnight and bottling. It just didn't seem like the right way to go. Yeah. So one, one of the things I'm curious about is when did you know it was time to go from um, going from making this in-house to outsourcing this and having somebody else now? Like, like two to three months into it. Okay. Because literally everywhere I went. So, so from two to three months, I went, went to 25 retail locations. And no, 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 no. After, right, yeah, within three months I did, wow. I hit the pavement and I went out there and I hit everybody. And I went to the I went to the grocery stores. I went to the Ace Hardware's, and I guess it was that much. Maybe it was twenty stores, but it's not that hard to get to twenty stores. But I think I mean, one, one, you, element you yeah, one element that's yeah, one element that's not try. coming out of this, Jack, is that you grew your brand from two thousand five to two thousand eighteen before you went and you pushed your sauces. So they already, already knew the sauce. They already knew it. They already loved it. Every grocery yeah. store I walked into said, "Dude, we love your sauce." Yes, when can we get it? I mean, yeah. no one said no. No one needed to try it because we'd already been open for 12 years and we had a huge reputation of everybody knew how delicious the sauce was. They, they would call me up. I would get like, Hey, I hear this. We want it too. Okay. Literally. I didn't even have to, they were coming to me because they wanted it. So basically it sounds like within the first year you went from, launching this to being in 25 stores to outsourcing the well it, it took long it took about a year to to, to to move it was problematic covid really slowed things down not only in our industry but the bottling the packaging you know things had to move at a different pace so we said that you we were going to just hold to these 25 retailers and what we're not getting to also that was growing is 
is I think we need to dive into is, is, is that we decided and I, to, to, about the Amazon, about the online. So again, we weren't just in stores. We had to produce in-house um, uh, for, for a national scale. And if you, maybe we should just go in and how that yeah, all yeah. evolved and happened. Yeah, let's take one more quick break to thought speaker to spanker thought. I don't think they would like it if we spanked it. To thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to dive into the next evolution for you, which was going digital, bringing this online. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Plate IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Plate IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Plate IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Plate IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also with Play IQ Bill Pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by MarginEdge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, MarginEdge means data streamlined and insights automated. With MarginEdge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about the integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. On top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual cost versus theoretical cost. Find out why over 3,100 
500 restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. We are back and we're going to start talking. We're going to start transitioning the conversation to go from local to international or I don't know if it would be international, but at least nationwide with Amazon. Paint the picture, Jack, of what your distribution, what your your retail and sauce GP or uh, CP consumer product good CPG look like before going to Amazon. Okay. So we, we had the good. It was we knew that we had to partner with a co-packer, right? We were, we were, we were just the, we we're like, well, we, 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 we can't keep up internally um, for just a small market. And we were dabbling with the idea of, wow, do we create our own distribution? And my idea was just, Oh, we're just going to be a, a regional brand. We're just going to be a regional, you know, throughout the state and we'll get a couple of these accounts. It'll be a nice cash flow. But even then we're like, we're going to, we need, we're going to need a co-packer and we'll, we're going to have to partner and hire a distributor. So what I did was, and I, I you know, in the other podcast, I, I love going outside the restaurant industry. So I, I went to a friend of mine, casual acquaintance, you know, his name was Steve Shriver. And this guy is amazing. He, I met him years ago because uh, he was making, uh, he has a company called Ecolips. Ecolips is an amazing company. Steve Shriver is an amazing guy. And we were just hanging out at a party and I was sitting and we were just talking stuff. And I remember going up and watching how he was this team of four or five people were making lip balm. And I was like, dude, I got to talk to Steve. He's a great guy and he's going to have some ideas. So we set up a time and he's like, yeah, I talked. And he was so instrumental that he said, he's, he said, one thing is he's like, I told him about the retail, the pricing, He's like, dude, you got to go higher. You got to go higher. You're just missing when you scale. Things are going to get eaten up. You got to double it. You got to keep doing this. And I was like, okay. I was like, uh, he goes, I know you don't like to hear it. I know you don't like to hear it. I know you don't want to sell this product, but you won't make any money and life will suck unless you you get to this point. Um, so I said, okay, let's just do it. Uh, I, I was listening to him and I was like, okay. And then he goes, why, why don't you want to go bigger than regional? I don't know. I don't know if the brand is good enough. He goes, I've seen this. He goes, dude, your stuff is good. I go, I, and he goes, have you, he goes, also, he goes, have you thought of e-commerce like Amazon? I go, what? I go, well, how the, no. When's no this idea. conversation no, happen? What's the year this. when this conversation happens? It's probably three years ago. Okay. So like two, three, two or three years before ago. Before COVID started. No, it was, it was, it was pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID. Got it. And again, you know, I'm like, what? And he goes, he goes, he goes, I got this company. Because again, I, if you look up Ecolips, you look up Steve Driver, um, I almost thought he'd be a great person, but he's, he does have a coffee shop. He's just a serial entrepreneur, super, and, and just a great human. So anyway, he goes, I, he goes, I think he got something here. And he goes, you know, I have Ecolips. I went with this e-commerce company. Uh, they're really great guys blew me away. He's telling me how much they grew his business. It just was crazy how they took his lip balm and what they did with it. He goes, 
It's all about an introduction. He goes, get me some sauce. I just want to get it in these guys' hands and see what they think. And who are these so, guys again? It's a company called 50 Pound Bosun. Okay. 50 Pound Bosun. And they are e-commerce experts. Okay. And if you want to go with a product, and, 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 I, and so, so what happened was, um, we'll just move quickly here. So the idea was, I would say to my business partner, I go, well, I'm just going to take this. I, I, so I, I take them the sauce. And, you know, this this company, I mean, Boston, they want quality products. They, they don't want to be representing or moving a product. So they, they dropped it off and they go, let's have a meeting. And they looked at my product and they said, this is great packaging, an amazing story. You have something that I remembered, I said, they, they said, can't be white labeled. And I'm like, what does white label mean? And they go, well, some huge corporation can't take your sauce, remake it, put it in a bottle and sell their own. Because people are not only buying, you have the combination of a great quality product, but a story and a background that cannot be stolen. You have a reputation, you have a legitimacy that so many products try to work toward, you know what I mean? That they have to come up with recipes and all this stuff to give the legitimacy. You have all the legitimacy. So you have the product and the story. So we, we like each other. We had conversations. They also, what these e-commerce companies will do is they will do what they, they get like a Nielsen's report. You know, you think of like TV shows, companies like this can get access and then they'll exactly how many barbecue sauces are being sold on Amazon. They know how each one is being sold. They know how much each company makes and what the volume is. And so they will do a a report and they will look at your product and they will look at everybody else on Amazon in this market of barbecue sauce. And they make a judgment call of like, can your product compete with these products? And then Bosun looked into it and they said, we believe your product can compete because the, the, the width of the market, your price point, um, they then do like everything else. They go, let's do some testing and we want to talk about this. We made the agreement and they said, let's, let's do this. So obviously they're hired out to handle this. Um, and the reason you need an e-commerce team is if you think Google or SEOs or just getting your restaurant is complicated and competitive for searches, Amazon is on a completely other different level. And I, I want to make this important that that what I learned from this team is in, in the you know because we're like oh people go well, why don't you just sell it on your website you know and why don't you do that it's like well. If the, the last time you were looking for a good in, in America, in the U.S., when somebody's looking for a product, it's probably 50-50. It's probably more like 70-30 that I need toilet paper. I need detergent. I need something. You don't. You go right past Google. You go right to Amazon and you type in barbecue sauce. You don't even go to Google. So what I learned from this e-commerce company was if you want analytics and you want to look and learn Amazon's analytics and understanding consumer buying patterns and having data on you is beyond anybody's wildest dreams of of, of what we did. So 
the team at Boston we discussed was that if we want to take this nationally, we want to see how it will work. This is the very best platform to see. As I said, we were in our community, the darling. Everybody knew the brand. So we were just like, you know what? We're going to throw out the net to the most competitive, right? Especially during COVID, the most competitive platform you're up against like, I think we're up against like seven, 6,000 other barbecue sauces. So if you really, as I said before, Eric, right, go big or go home, let's go with the big boys and see what's going to happen here. And if you're going to do that, you are going to send spend ad dollars and you are going to work. You're going to need an e-commerce team that understands it because Another night, I know I'm covering a lot of stuff here. Not, Not only is your first, your product has to, the, the other huge portion of this is not only your product and the quality of your product and your story is the shipping. Amazon is an amazing distribution center. And what you would never think about is the other huge portion of this equation and why you need a pro team is the packaging now you've already had the packaging of the sauce you need now to me to understand the packaging and getting your product throughout the u.s yeah so that in itself is logistically uh, what restaurateur understands not only we just understood distribution i've just learned it brick and mortar at the same time now i'm moving to learn distribution on a national level yeah direct to the consumer too which Right. Things. So, um, is it fifty pound Bosom B O S E M? B O S O N. O M. Bosom is a nautical Boson. term. It's a it's a it's a nautical term, I believe. I don't know. So at this point now, did you find them? Yeah. So you, you go from doing this in house to saying, okay, we need to find somebody to uh, do this packaging for us. Okay, we need to find somebody to do this dis- distribution for us. Okay, we're going national. We need fun- to find somebody who specializes in e-commerce so we can get onto Amazon. And what what about distribution for Amazon? Is it a matter of just like, do you like every night get like an order and then you fulfill the you know, you go Both home? should actually talk to me. They really like the brand. You get good e-commerce companies. They will choose you. They, they won't take, I mean, you could pay them insane amounts of money, but the good e-commerce companies are like, if they don't feel your product is in the skewer or can, can't be, they're not going to bother with you. Yeah. And it was but your they, friend. They're busy enough. So they yeah. actually said, we really think, and we created a partnership. Uh, we have a great partnership. I mean, shout out Par- Parker Harrington. This kid is, I, I've learned so much. And they're just an amazing, amazing group of people. And I, I, they're crushing it for us. You know what I mean? So they're the ones that almost like coax along, like this is it. And the reason I say you need it is Amazon is it's, it's like a, it's own country. It's so powerful. You just won't be able to navigate it. And to let you know how it is, is, is even we, there's everything is so exacting. And from the barcodes, we actually do not ship. Amazon has such an amazing distribution they kick everybody's ass on distribution, okay? Because what they do is everybody wants it now, Eric. And like, so what they do is my product is not in one warehouse. They call these things fulfillment centers. This is what I learned via Bosun. So we, our product is now a prime product. And it can be anywhere. If you go online right now, if you go to amazon.com and 
type in Jimmy Jack's Rib Shack, <laughs> you're going to get the sauce and you're going to get it in a day or two. That in itself is going to be difficult and people are going to have to go after that is because you're going to have to, um, you, you don't know how to deal with make it prime. You, yeah. You're going to have to have a team do it. And, um, and if you're watching the video right now, money, yeah. If you're watching the video right now, I have um, I'm on Amazon. I'm showing what this looks like on Amazon. Uh, so, what were you saying before? So, I mean, looking at our star rating there, yeah. star rating on uh, it's ratings and reviews are just like flipping um, Yelp and and, and TripAdvisor. Uh, you know, Harvard did the studies, man. I, I just like the restaurants. They know that, especially in the hospitality industry, love them or hate them, people go to reviews. And I'm very protective of that. And, but this is also a litmus test of our quality, meaning we're not, we're still four and a half stars. We're doing well. You know what I mean? That's, that is a top tier of what I want. Um, but anyway, so with this distribution is we actually send the product to Amazon. We package it and it goes to, in a small singular, how it's packaged, singular product package. It goes to there to multiple warehouses and they actually distribute it. Also, this is going to sound crazy. When, so we also have a Shopify. You can go online and you can go to my website, jimmyjacks.com, and you can go, oh, click, I want to order some sauce. This sounds crazy. I don't ship that. You know who fulfills those orders? Amazon does because I can't compete with the price of shipping that Amazon can get. I'm not going to get into the dirty details of that, but they have such volume and they're so good at distribution. Yeah. Logistics juggernaut. Like you can't compete with that. Yeah. So what you do is I think we're in 10 different, and this is where it keeps growing bigger and bigger is if I have to have X amount of each skew of each sauce in not only one fulfillment center, and this is what Amazon watches. He goes, oh, wow, they want it there. And then all of a sudden you go, holy, why do we need a bunch of order? Well, they've added another fulfillment. Oh, crap. Oh, just another one. Because as you grow and as your product becomes more popular, they then populate their fulfillment centers throughout the warehouse. And you're in more and more locations, which means you need to produce more and more product. Because you have to get it there in one day. Because that's just how the American public is built right yeah. now. You know, I mean, what, I've been busting my hump for Father's Day. <laughs> you know, we're awesome. like, what? And we just keep getting these emails. My, my, the, the boss of my e-commerce team is like, I need, I need, I need X amount of cases sent. We got it because you. This is a, this is about timing and growth and learning. Um, it was hugely embarrassing. I was unbelievably frustrated. We hit our top ranking on Amazon as a barbecue sauce was a week before Christmas. And I had left for vacation. We thought we had enough of inventory out of the blue. You will never know. They never tell you Amazon made our cowboy sauce, a prime featured choice. It blew out of the water. We were completely empty of inventory. The Sunday, the biggest day of shopping before Christmas. And we were just depleted. And we couldn't move quick enough to get it off. And we had no idea. But we had been getting emails and, and metrics from Amazon that they wanted more product. And we just sat back like they're crazy. They're crazy. I don't know why they want so much. There's no way we can sell this much. 
So you would have, and it's like, I was like, who thought, who, who, who ever thought that barbecue sauce would get blown out of the water as a Christmas gift? I would have never thought about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not really surprised, but one of the big lessons I'm learning up to this point in the conversation is a lot of this has to do with surround, just like in any business, surrounding yourself with the a team of experts. And you, you've been doing that right. from day one when it came to the label with um, Ali Design in Austin, Texas. Allison, yeah. Allison Design. Allison Design in Austin, Texas. You did it again with uh, the, the packaging. And you're working with who for the packaging again? The Creamery? Uh, so, no, we went with Kelowna Creamery. Um, they're a smaller company. But they yeah, do packaging and distribution for you? Yeah, they, th- there's two different companies, but they have a, a, a packaging, a co-packing um, arm, right? And then they also have the arm, which is uh, the distribution arm, which is Kelowna Direct. And they're a great distribution company because they're small and they carry quality brands. You yeah. know, they're not, you're but not getting lost with a big distributor. I think the, the lesson with the distributor, we all can't go through this one person, but think who's local, who shares my core values was the best. Exactly. Lesson with I anybody you're that. working with, Boson shares my core values. Yep. You know, Alley Designs, Allison Design, core values. All the people we work with, Kelowna, again, they've, it's Amish country. It's Kelowna yeah. Creamery. They started with cheese curds and milk and butter, and I I like their butter. I mean, it's, it's the butter's in Chicago. I mean, the butter's everywhere. I think it's in in the Whole Foods. I mean, it's a quality product. I think so. Don't shortcut and go with don't don't go with a price tag or a salesperson. Vet the company that you're going to partnership with. And then work with them. I think the other big lesson that we learned from your friend Steve Straver uh, from Ecolips is this is going to be expensive. You know, every yeah. time you bring in a new a new element, a new you know part of the equation, you have to pay that person. So early on, you're comparing your prices to other barbecue sauces, and you're like, "Well, we can do this way less." But over time, as you start bringing in more variables, uh, more people, e-commerce distribution, like. It's going to cost you more money, so don't be they afraid all, to charge. They all keep taking a chunk. They all yeah. keep taking So a how percentage. much, when you first started, what was the cost? I don't recall. I just remember Steve saying, just double it. I'm like, double it? He goes, you got to double it, man. And the re- <laughs> but this is a lesson we learned in the restaurant industry, too, is we don't charge enough. Uh, whatever you yeah, think it's going to cost it, you it. to open your restaurant, double it. There's always hidden costs. <laughs> and like, and I think that's yeah. another big lesson is don't be afraid to charge what it's worth. Like, We have a real issue within food and beverage of undervaluing our, our, our value, our, what we bring to the world. Like, We offer something special. Charge what you need to charge to get the job done. Um, I was talking to my boys. We had a, a meeting, and, and, and this is where we're at now on the growth. They always say at Boston, it's like a, a big fan wall. It keeps growing. And so what this team also has to do, this, this, this isn't just, oh, our product is out there. It doesn't just, you just don't, oh, just appear on Amazon, on front pages, or just like you don't appear on Google. I mean, you can, but at the beginning, you do need to spend some money, or like in a restaurant, you get the location, 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 you know? Um, there, there's something to be said for that. Um, but he's like, the discussion yesterday was we now that we have full production, we want to even increase what increase our ad budget, meaning we want to, I think we're at 20%, which is actually pretty good. If you look at anybody right now, our ad spend is 20%, which most people say, oh my God, that's ridiculous. But we're we're building the brand right now, and you know who, who's the guy on Shark Tank? Anyway, he's like he, he was talking to somebody, and they're like, "Oh yeah, e-commerce add twenty percent to marketing." 
it's it's different than maybe six or whatever you want to say for retail or even brick and mortar. Uh, because 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 there is no uh, brick and mortar and all this other cost in distribution, this is why it's a different equation. And you're going to put more money into ads. Um, and I can't recall there's what they do is at the very beginning of this, you're still buying. You're buying. Um, you're spending money. You know, you're spending money. Well, that's to get my next question. Are, are you profitable? Are you making money from this now? We're right now on Amazon. We make money brick and mortar on Amazon. We're still the development. Um, really, we just kind of break even because we just reinvest. Every time we do start making money, we try to expand it. You know, again, it's just reinvest. And we're not where we want to be right now. We're not where we want to be. And now we're discussing... We we weren't we weren't at Amazon. You have to hit hit a, a certain threshold of volume, and because of our production wasn't capable of keeping up with the volume that could happen on Amazon, my e-commerce team kept it at a certain level. Okay, they control the brand, brand they can control the growth, and if you mess up on Amazon and you don't have inventory. They will just they will they will flick you. You're done. Is that you, what happened you do to have you? To, like you think what we happened? didn't ever get flicked. No, no, we were fine. I mean, we were fine. We recovered, but um, my the e-commerce gave me stories. I won't get the details of companies who sold out and couldn't have inventory for a month or two. Are it, it didn't work out, and then they were just they had to recover. So they took them six months to recover because. Like any retailer, as I told you, you have to have two to th- at least one or two months of inventory. If you're a retailer and it starts selling, and if you don't have the product, just like in your restaurant, if people show up and you're sold out by seven o'clock or something, you're not going to last long. Yeah. So this is why don't move too quickly. Always, you have to have everything growing at the same thing. And the worst thing is have a demand for your good and not have the product. Mm. So we have always balanced that, but also is that your quality is still there. I mean, we have, we have so, our percentage of returns on Amazon is in like the top 1%. We're one of the best. We're shipping glass, but it never breaks. You know what I mean? Our reviews are high. And you think you got to think, no, I mean, we go over how these things are packaged. Just like I said, when you walk into a restaurant, you have that one very first moment to um, grab someone's attention and you get one chance. I was so into the opening of the box and the packaging, that first impression, that's our one chance. That packaging, it's that first impression, right? Is so important. So we are growing, which would probably frustrate so many people. And it frustrates probably Boson a little bit, but they understand it because they're in for it long-term. My grocery stores and my brick and mortars get it because I go, I am going to, Make sure every relationship I have with my with my clients and with the with the existing brick and mortar retailers, so it's always perfect. Don't grow too fast. Don't get too many volumes. Like don't book too. Don't be like the airlines and overbook and then have two or three people. I'm very protective of the brand and, and that everybody's got to leave happy. Yeah. So, so we're very happy with this growth uh, that we're on. So what's the future look like for you? What's what's new right now as far as getting this barbecue sauce out? And again, this whole conversation is about scaling beyond but scaling but not scaling the 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 brand so much as scaling the product. 
right? So well, it is. It's like the, the, a lot of what steps are, scale, each step. You, you, it, again, it's like most restaurateurs don't have a, a, a background in in, 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 in in production of product. I mean, they do create a product, but they're not creating a retail product. Yeah, but they're the I entire life cycle from production to sale all happens in house. Once you get right, it outside it, of the house, but I but I think anybody listening out there needs to think about it and go, wait a minute. I mean, I'm so happy we did this. And I think a few would have maybe a product could go at the scale and could go onto Amazon and national. But, you know, if you're, uh, if if you're a successful, you know, um, Mexican, you know, uh, restaurant and you're doing tacos or you have salsas or sauces, again, a highly, highly competitive, um, of a marketplace and that try it out because if people like it, it could grow into that. If you have a hot sauce, if you have a marinara sauce, um, you know, this, this really would work good with bakeries um, and stuff. You know, the one thing we didn't even talk about that you said you wanted me to talk about was gold belly. Yeah. Well, that was my next, <laughs> so that, that's news. We were, there was a chance we wouldn't be able to talk about this because you guys just, they said that they're going to be flipping the switch tomorrow. Well, so if anybody is not familiar with gold belly, I know one of your favorite and one of my mentors. Well, Gold Belly, I keep, God, I'm embarrassed. I should know the owner of the company. Somebody was smart enough to understand that third-party delivery was huge and that people wanted to sit at home. And I cannot think of the gentleman's name. Um, it was smart enough. And you, you heard about these meal plans that were going around. So these guys at Gold Belly were awesome. And they said, wait a minute. There are iconic restaurants throughout the U.S. Maybe it's a, a lobster roll out of Maine or or maybe it's, you know, uh, we're going to be going up a Franklin's barbecue out of Austin, or maybe it's a Chicago Uno's pizza out of Chicago. Nashville or, hot chicken. Yeah, Nashville hot chicken. So My name's Joe there. Ariel, by the way. Joe Ariel, thank you, Joe. <laughs> um, so anyway, they this guy was brilliant. He said, wait a minute. People want this iconic thing, and they want to get it, and how cool is it? that you can't always make it to, to get to Nashville to get the hot chicken. You might not be able to make it to Chicago to get this amazing pizza or can't make it to New York for their classic slices of, of pizza, or you can't make it to Nobu for sushi or Mama, you know, David Chang and Mama Fuko's noodle bar. So he's like, dude, I am going to do something so badass here. I'm going to figure out how to distribute this market it so you can get these amazing restaurants next day. And, and, and we're going to, we're going to work with these restaurants on how they can then, sh- uh, how the consumer, then the guest will reheat it and how, the, how it came to us was an email. The first email I kind of looked in like, eh, I don't know. Um, step back for a second of these guys were, were great because then they also looked at it as during, during, during a pandemic, how awesome is this? I mean, what they were great about, they helped so many restaurants a complete way to sell product, even though people couldn't come into the restaurant. So there's like doing this amazing service during COVID of shipping food all over the US, right? Where people that couldn't do this. He then brings in, which when, when this was kind of our, you know, I told you one of the greatest books, you know, Danny Meyer, Danny Meyer comes along and puts like 20 million into this. So I'm like, wow, this sounds kind of legit. So I get the first email and I'm like, oh, and I'm busy. I get a second email. <laughs> so I call back. I'm like, let's take a phone call with them. 
And my initial question is, why me? Why are they going to buy Jimmy Jack's barbecue when they can get these iconic? They can get the iconic Arthur Bryant's out of Kansas City. They can get Fiorillo's Jack's that I got to say. They can get Franklin. You know, there's these huge brand names that people already recognize. Why do they want Jimmy Jack's? Why, why does somebody in New York or wherever want Iowa barbecue? And he's like, there's a lot of people. We've researched you. You've got great, you know, everything. You're ticking every box. And we think that you're an iconic brand of Iowa. And they said, we want to um, not only have iconic brands from New York and Texas. And, you know, there's great food. There's great pasta. There's great sushi. And it's not uh, only in a specific region. And we want, there are people from Iowa that have left and want your barbecue. And that's why we want to talk to you. I think that's a big part of their, their strategy too. It's not, it's about you have nostalgia. You move away from home. There's certain things that they might not be the best in everyone's eye, but they're the best in your eye because that's what you grew up with. Now you're, now you're not home anymore. So you want to get that piece of home. Say if you're from Iowa and you move to Miami, you know, if you're from Iowa and you move to Texas, there's plenty of Texas barbecue, but it's not my barbecue. And that's what they're trying to do. And our sauce. Yeah. It's like the same with Amazon now. They're like, well, I can't get that sauce in my grocery store. So I'll, I can now get it on Amazon. They'll ship it. Because I I lived in Iowa, I went to the University of Iowa, and I miss it. Yeah, and so we looked at this was, you know, and it was great. They're they're a great company. I mean, I, I've enjoyed everybody we've dealt with. They're pros. Um, there was heavy conversations. Me and my business partner Jimmy were like, it has to be quality. I love this. We're talking to Gold Belly, <laughs> and, and my business partner's like, I want this, and it has to be perfect. Can't be bad. And he goes, and we're like, you know, the chefs were. were we're working with Daniel Bullell. We're, we're working with all these people. So, I mean, if we're good enough, I'm thinking for, for Dan Chang and Mom, I think you can trust us, okay? And it was just kind of a funny, like, I had to talk to my business partner. I'm like, do you know who they represent? And then they, what, what I liked about Gold Belly was you had to be quality. It was a vetting process, right? So a couple of weeks ago, you know, we had to do multiple. It was a first test run. You have to package your food and send it. They try it. And I, I, I love this, this kind of small um, David Ariel and, and, and they send it to their CEO. They send it to the, the owner's got to try it. I like that. I like dealing with another company that's only going to sell quality products and going to have a system. We went round and round and round to make sure that this food was shipped and it would show up in the best quality. And then, hours of like how it was going to be reheated and brought back to life because I said, I, I got to blow these people out of the water, you know? And I think that's where that we, it was, again, it was a great partnership of the people at Gold Belly and us just discussing and on the same exact page that, yeah, Jimmy Jack's is a good brand because they care of, they're busting our chops on how this will show up and be reproduced and be amazing for these people. Yeah. So, so it was, it was a great partnership, like everybody else will be working with. So, um, finally, you know, and I love it. They're, they're moving slowly, patient. Everything has to be done just like I moved very slowly. And I think that was another thing with Gold Billy where they were so like happy that we weren't rushing, they weren't rushing. This has to be perfect. It sounds like everything is perfect. And 
you know, the meeting goes tomorrow or today. I think they're meeting. They click the button and you can go to Gold Belly right now and see it. And it should be clicked on any day now. But again, it's it's us all being, and if it isn't, sorry, we we didn't feel it was perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jack, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know you have a little extra time past our agreed upon, uh, but we do. I do want to start wrapping it up to respect your time. Uh, what If yeah. you could just summarize in a couple sentences the big takeaways from today's conversation for you. Um, for anybody wanting to do this, first, you, yeah, you, we talked about this last thing. Constructive criticism, you're going to have to put this in market and you're going to have to really look at your product and be objective and be an adult about it that is this product really good enough to go to market? And that can't be just a bunch of friends telling you how great it is and awesome. You know, you're going to have to take a risk and, and have some good feedback and then you're going to have to move slowly and it's going to take more time than you would like. Um, and you have to make sure during each piece of the process that that relationship and that product maintains its integrity and its quality and don't get in a hurry. What's don't the biggest go for secret to maintaining that integrity that would, and that quality? Well, move slowly. Yeah. Don't, don't try to scale or do something too quickly where all of a sudden um, you can't meet the demands because you can't get production or you've overcommit tried to cut costs and added ingredient you shouldn't have been, you shouldn't have added or you're working with people that said well i wanted this price point can't you package it this way or couldn't we do this instead I, I i can't function that way you know what i mean and i think you're never going to make a product work on price and if you're trying to go against the big boys of sweet baby rays and these huge conglomerations these huge companies you're going to lose so if your product can't maintain and have a high like a premium price, you shouldn't even be bothering because you, you, it'll get eaten up. You won't make it anywhere. If, if, if you can't, and if you're a local product, people will pay 20, 30, 40% more than a national brand because you're local. They get it. They get it that it's handcrafted, that it's small batch. I just purchased. Pay for it. I just purchased your vanity pack, a variety <laughs> pack, and a vanity pack. So that'll be hopefully <laughs> in the mail in a couple days. I got to get to work. Uh, <laughs> I got to get back to work and start packaging <laughs> those. For, that's a Father's Day gift. Um, no, no, you'll enjoy. It'll be good. And uh, this. So yeah, no, I think that's it. Tomorrow, is. You've so. got to take your time. You have to have controls of quality, just like you have controls in your restaurant of service and quality. You, you, you just gonna have to echo that and follow it with whatever you're putting out there as a product and don't get in a hurry. Yeah. Jack, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for taking the extra time to go deeper on this vertical of your business, uh, getting your products, your, your goods into retail and uh, online digitally. You, you gave us some great leads. I think there's more workshops buried in here. I think we should reach out to Allison uh, on labeling and how to create a label, what needs to be on a label, what makes a good label. I think uh, also st- talking to Parker Harrington from, uh, 50 yeah, Parker is amazing. Both. Yeah. Um, if you want, you want me to give a shout out. I mean, Steve Shriver, I mean, he has a great little coffee shop. He is literally, um, he, he is a wealth of knowledge on, on, on just business in general. I know he's not, he, he has ownership of a coffee shop, which makes killer food, Bohemia yeah. up in, um, Cedar Rapids, but, um, a really, really interesting guy. Beautiful. And, and a wealth of knowledge. And Jack, how can we connect with you if we have further questions on this? Uh, maybe we're in the process right now of taking our products to retail and we want to connect with you. What's the best way to connect? You can go 
to Iowa City Jack. That's I-O-W-A-C-I-T. I live in Iowa City. My name is Jack. Iowa City Jack at Gmail. Or you can go Jack at JimmyJacksRibShack.com. Beautiful. And I believe this is episode 898. Stand by. Wow. Who's your, who's your like 900th guest? Uh, top secret. It's, it's actually gonna. <laughs> it's gonna end up being Matt Swift, but not just. Whoa. Just this. How the kind of eight hundred and ninety-seven. Uh, this is episode eight hundred and ninety-seven. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash eight hundred and ninety-seven. Um, if you want to get a summary of today's discussion, we're gonna link to those those people and those tools and services that were recommended today. Uh, and yeah, just can't say thank you enough, Jack, for coming back on the show and continuing to be so generous with your time. And if you have time, go over to Amazon, type in Jimmy Jack's barbecue sauce and, uh, get that. Yeah. Just in time for father's day. Uh, (laughs) Jack, thank you so much, my man. Uh, there is no question. You are unstoppable. Thank you. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Jack Piper, for coming back on the show to go deeper. And uh, this is really a good example of how I want the future of Restaurant Unstoppable to look is just using that first interview as a way to find leads and to find specific topics to, to really drill down and to just unearth the people we can talk to. And I think there was tons of leads from today's conversation. I think the big takeaway for me in today's conversation is this idea of surrounding yourself with experts. Listen, like the amount of time and energy you have to put into becoming an expert. It's just so much when you can go to somebody who has dedicated their life to doing this one thing, whether it's label design, whether it's e-commerce or, or distribution or whatever it is, I think this is a good lesson is, is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And that's what for me came out of today's conversation. So awesome stuff there. And if you guys found value in today's conversation, please support this podcast. You can support this podcast by supporting our sponsors, using our affiliates, uh, sharing this this episode with everybody and anybody you know who would find value in it, and coming to hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network, where you can literally be a part of the conversation. This was a live recording. At the end of all of our live recordings, we continue the conversation where you can ask your questions to my guests. And on next week in the network, we have live Corey Mintz, who is the author of The Next Supper, The End of Restaurants as we know them and what comes after. So if you want to join us live for that conversation, if you read that book and you want to meet Corey, be sure to join the network. We also have the uh, CEO of the Bicky CRM, a customer relationship management platform for restaurants, Abhinav Kapoor joining us live in the network. Both these events are on Tuesday. Uh, so you got plenty of time to come hang out in the network, be a part of these conversations. And I can't wrap up with saying special thanks to my team. Thank you. Sav and Sam.com for, uh, you know, introducing me to these great people in Iowa and being there to help me capture the video and special thanks to Jared Parisi behind Sumadre podcast, who does all my editing. Can't do it without you guys. All right. That's it for today. Until next time. Peace out.